0: Got three people down there, the ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when i minute play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to a And when no minute it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly gill boss with my Colorado swag. My Colorado Welcome swag. into the DNVR Buffs Podcast swag. presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we have two things we're going to talk about. Um, We're going to start by talking a bunch of these TV times that have been announced for CU. Um, We are up to four. Four of the 12 games. We have times and and TV information for... So we're going to run through that stuff pretty quickly. Um, And then we're going to talk about the last scholarship for CU. Um... You know, I expected to see more players transfer from Colorado after the spring. Um, I mean, Carson Lee transferred about halfway through. He has the legal stuff going on um, and probably would have transferred earlier if not for the legal stuff. Um, So that's almost kind of like a technicality, honestly. Um, But because nobody's transferred out, they only have that one scholarship. And they offered that scholarship, or I assume they offered that scholarship to a wide receiver, which is a bit of a surprise. So we're going to talk about that last scholarship. We're going to talk about that receiver. And that's going to be the plan for the second half of the show. Uh, so I'm excited. Hope you are too. And we can jump in. First of all, uh, these TV times. So like I said, um, we have four of the times for Colorado this season. And the way it works was yesterday Fox announced a bunch of theirs Uh, Today, CBS and ESPN uh, announced a bunch of theirs. And at this point, we know what's going to happen for the first three weeks of the season. So they release these times for the first three weeks ahead of schedule. And then there's some that are scattered throughout the season that are like special games or or something like that, you know, Friday night games, that sort of thing, um, that are announced right now. The rest, at least for the Pac-12, are announced On 6 or 12 day notice. And that depends on like a bunch of different things. But like I said, first three weeks set in stone. Some others scattered through there. And uh, that's basically what went down. So those times so far are week one against TCU. Colorado is playing a Friday night game at home September 2nd. Um, and that game is going to be on ESPN, not ESPN2 or ESPNU or any of that garbage. They're playing TCU on straight up ESPN. Obviously, that's a game that a lot of people are going to be watching. Um, and um, personally, like I, I didn't realize until a couple weeks ago that they opened with a Friday game. I thought they had that September 3rd. Um, I think Brian tweeted this is the second time ever that CU has started with a Friday night game with last year being the other one. Um, it really helps for a couple of reasons. First of all, you get to start camp, I believe, one day earlier. Um, but more importantly, you get that extra day off before you get to your Week 2 game. Um, it's it's not the biggest deal in the world, but it definitely doesn't hurt. And it in particular, doesn't hurt when the second game is against Air Force. You get one more day to prep for such a weird offense, and that aspect of this, I, I really like. And again, we knew that it was a Friday night. Um, we didn't know that it was 8 p.m. on ESPN. But like I said, I mean, that means it's going to get a lot of eyes on it. I know if, if you think the Buffs are going to be bad this season, I can't blame you for that. You know, they, they weren't great last year. The offense has a lot of work to do. They lost some key pieces, all those sorts of things. At the same time, though, this TCU team, I think they're coming off a five-win season. It's going to be an interesting game. You know, if, if Colorado is able to go out there and beat TCU week one, people are going to be excited. Um, and, and again, part of that is just because expectations are as low as they've ever been since I've been here. I think probably by a pretty wide margin. You know, this will be my my fourth season. This is pretty easily the lowest that the expectations have been. Um but, I mean, yeah, you win that, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, well, there there might be something here. Is six wins out of the question? Maybe not. Um, if they lose this game and it's an ugly one, again, that's it's going to be record-setting towel-throwing at that point where people are just saying, like, ah, yep, it's what we expected, time will move along. So that's that's a big game, even bigger now because it's on ESPN and it isn't just in mean, a Pac-12 network game that, only only the diehards are going to be watching. A lot of people are going to see this. It's a chance to make a statement. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that one. Uh, week two, like I mentioned, Air Force on the road. First time the Buffs have played at Air Force since 1976, I believe. It's also the first time they've played on CBS since the 1996 Cotton Bowl. It's been a minute. And this is a big game, 130 kickoff, this 130 window on CBS. I mean, typically it was an SEC game, but last year, six of the 13 weeks, this was one of the two most watched games. Um, and actually week two last year, Air Force played Navy, and there was about a million people watching. And that ranked like seventh or eighth on the day. Still, like, to of, of all the college football games in the country, the idea that the Buffs could be in the top seven given the the – lows that we've been through, awesome. Very awesome. Also notably, I, mean, I think there were 5 million people, 4.5 million people watching the Texas A&M-Colorado game that same day. So so we'll see how that plays out. But obviously starting ESPN to CBS, that's big time. And then the week after, they go to Minnesota. You'll remember the Minnesota game in Boulder last year. That was uh, That was a Pac-12 network game, and people were not happy about it this year espn2 um again obviously that's a huge step up from the pac 12 network a lot more eyes uh, i think even cu fans like it's a lot easier to watch you know if if i wasn't going to the game i'd be watching on sling instead of watching on actual tv cuz that's the way that i get pac 12 network um but yeah obviously 1:30 kickoff at minnesota ESPN 2 that's another big one and then we did get one mid-season game and actually kind of late season game I um, mean it's the Friday night game at USC that's a 7 30 kickoff mountain time on FS1 again it's not the same as being on Fox or even CBS ESPN whatever but FS1 again a lot better than Pac-12 Network um, so those are the four games we know right now Um, just to add some context to this There are 34 games with a Pac-12 team in them in the first three weeks of the season. 34. 15 of those 34 on the Pac-12 network. Actually, 11 of them on Pac-12 network. Four of them are on one of the regional Pac-12 networks like Pac-12 Oregon or Pac-12 Washington because they're conflicting Pac-12 network games. Um, So uh, 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 that's not quite half, 15 of the 34. But it's pretty close to it. And the fact that CU avoided playing any of those, that's a really big deal. Playing on the Pac-12 network, I don't have to tell anybody listening to this podcast how shitty it is. You you know, it's shitty. Um, last year, Colorado played eight of its 12 games on the Pac-12 network. This year, we already know that there's four that won't be. So there's a max of eight. There's a max of matching that number. And like I said, the rest of these, the other eight of these, they will be scheduled either six or 12 days out. You know, if, if you wind up beating TCU, beating Minnesota, finish two, two and one. I mean, let's say they finish three and oh in this first stretch. That's going to make it pretty easy to avoid the Pac-12 network for at least one more game. Right. Um, so. We'll see. I'd be surprised if if. They don't get at least one more, like the Oregon game. You'd think CBS or Fox or ESPN, somebody would want that, would want Oregon on their TV. Same thing with Utah. You know, it's it's a little bit tougher to get the, the non-Pac-12 network game in that last week of the season. But if they're still eligible for the college football playoff or, or something like that, you could totally see it. Um, so we'll see how that all plays out. A great start, though. Um, I think you have to like all of this. Maybe, maybe that one thirty kickoff at Air Force. You do the math on that. Like, say it's an hour and a half to get down there, and then you've you, you gotta like factor in traffic and all that sort of stuff. And you want to tailgate that could become kind of an early morning. But I mean, on the flip side, if that's a seven o'clock kickoff and the game ends at ten thirty, at least you're not driving back up from Colorado Springs right there, fighting the traffic at night. So I mean, you can. Think about it either way. I guess. Um, I think that that's most of my thoughts here. Um, yeah, I mean it's good stuff. You hope for more. Um, you know, some people saying if they uh, if they get embarrassed in those games, now you're embarrassed on national TV. And I have two points to make about that. Technically, Pac-12 Network, nationally, national TV. They love to flex on that. It's a nationally televised game on Pac-12 Network, and everybody's just like, oh, okay, okay, whatever. Um, The second point, though, it's like, hey, yeah, it might get ugly, but nationally, people don't think highly of CU. If CU gets blasted by Air Force on CBS, I don't think that, you know, I don't think Stephen A. Smith is going on TV saying, hey, you guys are never going to believe what happened, you know? Um, And it's obviously great opportunity to to maybe change things around a little bit uh, so i i really like all this and i think we can leave it at that um we have a game time and what that's an eight o'clock start so about two hours from right now two hours and 99 days away from the kickoff of the next season so that's exciting uh before we get into this wide receiver thing want to talk about a couple of our friends Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. Went to that Avs game last night, drank a big old Breckenridge beer. It's what you do. They have the Avalanche there. Um, they have the Avalanche just about everywhere here at this point. Um, Avalanche lost, which was sad, but I, uh, I feel like I did my part. I drank my beer, and uh, that's doing my part. Um, also, DMVR bar tomorrow after this golf tournament. I'm not sure if any of you are playing in the golf tournament, um, but... I'm really fired up about that. Going Actually, I think I'll stop at my house and take like a quick shower, but then really quick afterward I'm going straight to that bar. It's going to be a big day, potential closeout game. If not, there's a Game 7 in a series. They're up 3-1. Going to be a lot of Breckenridge beers being drank at that bar tomorrow, and I am excited to do my part and help the people out. Um if you want to check out anything they have, whether it's the Avalanche, Strawberry Sky, the Seltzers, whatever, use the beer locator at BrackBrew.com. It'll tell you exactly where to go to pick up whatever you want. Just put in your zip code, click the box of whatever you want, and you know they're in like 30-plus states now, so there's got to be something nearby. Um, also, DraftKings Sportsbook. They make all of this stuff so much fun. Ryan, Ryan today was telling people to bet on the Rockies to win a road game. It's like, well, their only series they've won this month is against Washington, so it's a good bet. And it's like, that means it's an all right bet. It's a four-game series. Maybe they split it on the road. They've obviously not been playing well. They've won, like, three of their last 16 games. Not sure what he was thinking. It's like even odds with a good pitcher who's been terrible this season. Uh, they're losing, by the way. So don't don't bet on the Rockies, is my advice. Bet on the Avalanche, though. Actually, I'm, I'm nervous about this game tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to have to think this through. Um... I'm not sure whether I'm betting on them or not. Uh, it's tough when you're on the road. I think you've got to. But the odds aren't going to be great as the thing. So we'll see on that. We'll see on that. But DraftKings makes all this stuff way more fun. And right now, if you sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook... You can bet $5 on any NBA game. You'll get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DMVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um... So, like I said, Colorado has one scholarship open, at least according to my math. I, I should actually ask around and make sure that that's correct, but I'm pretty sure there's one scholarship open at this point, point. and uh, as I said, there was a visit from an SMU wide receiver, uh, and you would imagine if he's visiting, they're offering him a scholarship, right? Like, it seems like it'd be weird if that was not the case. Um, his name is Tyler Page. He's got an interesting story. and We'll talk big picture about the idea of adding a wide receiver in a minute, but just at like kind of this base level, Tyler Page is a slot receiver, and he was a solid slot receiver. Uh, he, I think, in 2020 put up, where is it? Um uh, no it's 2019. He had 198 receiving yards in seven games. Um twenty twenty, it was four twenty two in four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So a little less than fifty yards per game. You know, against Temple, he had nine catches for 131 yards and a couple touchdowns, At a hundred yard game, and an overtime win against Tulane. There's some good stuff in there. There's some good stuff in there. Um, but again, not super productive. He left the program last off season. So he wasn't involved with SMU this season, just took a year off and now is in the transfer portal. I've seen, I I saw somebody put together a ranking about a week ago. I think, I think the idea was it was like a post Jordan Addison committing to USC wide receiver transfer portal rankings. They had him as the fifth best receiver in the portal. Um, So again, not, highly productive you know i was reading a story from i think it's the dallas morning news uh, that that i think the headline was something like smu thought they could do better than tyler page they were wrong it's like oh okay so it was kind of a fun read like kind of what you expect from a slot receiver is honestly kind of stereotypical it's like yeah they kept recruiting over him he kept out playing those guys. He would just find his way onto the field. Good special teamer. They thought they could find another punt returner. But guess what? He just kept holding on, holding on. Hold. So, so stuff like that. You're like, okay. That's uh interesting. But again, adds up. He's he's like I said, a very prototypical slot receiver. Uh 5'11", 210, something like that, maybe a little less than two ten. Um return 12 punts, 182 yards. Uh, Actually returned six kicks the year before, which, again, doesn't fit that stereotype, but who knows. Um, Yeah, in in the little bits I've seen, um, Shifty gets open underneath. um, Maybe maybe not a perfect hands catcher. Maybe lets the ball come into his chest a little bit sometimes. Uh, Not much of a deep threat. Actually, going through some of the pro football focus stuff, it's like, yeah, they... Not not really any sort of deep threat at all. It's it's all underneath stuff. I mean, but it, it also what he does, when you look at like the the chart that shows you where he's catching passes, it looks a lot like the chart that shows you where Brendan Lewis is throwing the ball. And so upgrading and getting a true slot receiver, like RJ Snead can play in the slot, but if you can play him as your number two, Arius is your number one, and then you've got Page in the slot, it's solid. It's solid, right? Um Again, we're not quite ready to get into the big picture. Why are they recruiting a receiver stuff? Uh, but you can kind of see that fit. And actually, Pro Football Focus has him at 193. I think I'd seen him at like 205, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, yeah. A uh, little bit of wiggle after the catch. Definitely isn't scared of contact. Um... Again, like that's all prototypical slot receiver stuff. Just think of the rest of the prototypical slot receiver stuff, and you're going to be in the right spot. Um, so there we go. That, that's enough on Tyler Page. And like I said, tweeted I think on Tuesday that he visited Colorado, posted the pictures in the jersey, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'd imagine a, a decision is coming soon. I haven't seen any any other offers. I don't know who's competing with him. I couldn't find anything anywhere. Um, but actually, I one place I didn't check. I just realized is on his Twitter page, so I'm gonna check that real quick. So he does have uh, an offer to Colorado. He also posted he has an offer to. Uh, oh, sorry, mind blanked. Um, to uh Appalachian State. So it doesn't look like there's any big school offers. Uh, but that's that's where those things stand, as of right now. Again, why? is Colorado after or after a receiver? And I think the easy answer is they had a bad passing game last year. And if you have a scholarship to use and you know there's one part of of the sport that you were really, really, really awful at, significantly worse than anything else, you can't blame them for going after an upgrade there. You know, even though, you know, you did add RJ Sneed, um, whatever... It does always make sense just to go back to the most simple form of who is the best player that I can add to our biggest weakness. And I think that that probably sums it up. At the same time, you know, you do have, we will play this game again, Daniel Arias, Maurice Bell, RJ Sneed, Montana Lamonius Craig, Jalen Jackson, Ty Robinson, Chase Penry, more freshmen coming in. And so it doesn't look like they have a, a hole there as much as they're just unproven. And I guess if if you're willing to bridge that gap a little bit, that does make some sense, right? When you have Brendan Lewis back there, um, we assume it could be J T. Shroud. I think it's six or 55 to 45 still in my mind. That's Brendan instead of J T. Upgrade those weapons a little bit. See if you can bre- bridge the gap a little bit for these guys. If if Tyler Page comes in and Chase Penry's better because they play a pretty similar role with Chase being a little bit bigger but obviously more raw then you give the job to Chase and you say ah well i guess we could have found some defensive tackle or something but oh well here we are we got a good special teamer out of it um it is obviously just a little bit strange when you do have all those guys you know i just assume they'd look somewhere else you know we've talked about cornerback being a place that makes some sense you've got a bunch of young talent but you know that's it is unproven you don't you don't feel bad about blocking josh wiggins from playing this year that's for sure because true freshmen just don't play all that much and that'd be like the concern if you add another corner um it's very similar to the wide receiver room in that regard um you know in that there's a bunch of young unproven talent with the difference being there's just more veteran options when it comes to receivers. You know, you still have Maurice Bell coming back, Jalen Jackson coming back, and you just combine that with the other stuff. Um, and that's why I feel like there's significantly more depth. And on top of that, RJ Sneed in there as well. Um, safety makes some sense. You know, right now you're saying it's Trevor Woods starting back there. You know, Jalen Stryker was hurt. Is he a free safety? It's possible. I think it's more likely they like him in the slot, but Who knows? who knows um he, he could be factoring into that competition if he's healthy um then you bring in Dylan Dixon your top recruit over the summer giving giving a freshman a starting job is a scary proposition that's for sure um if he can come in and compete that's great though so i don't know it's a it's an interesting call you know if you were to ask me like okay you have you have one scholarship who are you reaching out to you know, I mean, it's it's not a tight end. It could be a running back, honestly. I mean, if you're adding an offensive player, running back might be the answer. You know, I, I I'm excited to see what Dion can do. I think Alex is solid, but there's still plenty of touches to go around beyond those two guys. And again, like if Anthony Hankerson is awesome, that's incredible. If Victor Venn's awesome, that's incredible. If Jaylee Stacks, you want him running the ball, awesome. But that's a lot of things that you're kind of hopeful about. I guess if, if the question is, you know, do, do you want to have Anthony Hankerson on the field or do you want to have Chase Penry or Ty Robinson on the field, I think that's a pretty easy answer for me. You know, Anthony Hankerson and Maurice Bell? Give me Maurice Bell. Like, give me these receivers. And that's why I probably would look to a running back. At the same time, we talked about this after we learned that uh, Ramon Jefferson was not actually coming to Colorado. The options in the portal... Are not great options, and that's why. If if you think that this is just the best player in the portal, yeah, go after him, go get him. If you think he's the best player you can get in the portal, yeah, go go get him. Um, and you know, I'd err toward adding a uh, a running back or a an offensive lineman, but offensive linemen in the portal are so tough to find. Um, or a DB, but. If you think this is a good player and, and you think you need a slot receiver, you think maybe even maybe they don't want Chase Penry in the slot. Maybe they do see him more outside. I think that long-term you could see how that would work. Um, but I do think that right now what he's good at is in the slot. But Maybe they see it as we need a veteran in the slot who can be that easy option, especially in this offense considering what Brendan Lewis does well. If Chase Penry wants to get on the field early, yeah, there's a path for him. But... Getting those slot reps that they might see as the high priority snaps maybe maybe that takes more time maybe you gotta earn that more um so who knows who knows uh I'm curious though and, and Tyler page that's somebody who I could get excited about um it, like it, again it it maybe might not be my pick, but I'm not sure who my pick would be you know I'd have to dig through the portal because there's a good chance at this point there aren't a lot of great options so. We'll see what's up there. Oh, and now that I think about it, when did he get into the portal? Oh, I bet he, I bet he could be a grad transfer. You know, because I was just looking through his feed, like I said. I think he said, like, May 2nd or May 3rd that he's officially in the portal. It's like, well, wait, that's after the May 1st cutoff. But he's, at this point, probably is a graduate. He's never transferred before, so he should be good to go. Um, and they wouldn't be trying to add him if he wasn't, especially with, I believe, one year of eligibility left. I could be I I believe one year of eligibility left. Um I'm going to double check on that before we get out of here. I just assumed cuz he's been around so long, but I'm actually not sure how last year gets accounted for cuz I believe he wasn't with the team at all. You know, that there was a tweet that came out um a tweet that came out ahead of I think it was in February, so ahead of the season where he said like, "Yep, not not a part of the program." And who knows, maybe something changed and he got hurt or something, but it would make sense. It's just surprising he didn't wind up anywhere. I wonder if he, like, declared for the draft or something. Um, So he was a freshman in 2017, sophomore 2018, junior 2019, will have been senior in 2020. Didn't use that year of eligibility. Obviously, nobody did. Everybody gets that extra one. And so he would have been a senior last year, except I guess in accounting wise, that turns out to be a red shirt year. And so he has one year to play one year. Yeah, that's got to be right. Um, his bio says he's married, but yeah, I mean, he would be pretty old. Um, 2017 recruiting class. So he would be two years younger than me and I'm 25. So he's 23. I, which means he might still honestly be younger than Daniel Arias, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, but we'll leave on that note. Uh, we'll leave on that note. Uh, appreciate everybody for listening. We'll be back. actually probably on Saturday cause I've got that golf tournament tomorrow. I might try to fit something in. I might go to the bar and record something, but only if the news breaks. Otherwise I'm going to get some work done on a Saturday. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll talk then. And, uh, Have a good Memorial Day weekend, or at least like the first day of it before we talk again. Uh, See ya.